Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Uh, welcome to help, Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of having Kerry davis Munro on the show today. Welcome, Kerry. Well, thank you, Julian. I'm really, really pleased to be here with you. No, it's so good to have you on here. So, Kerry, uh, I just want to introduce who she is. Uh, Kerry is a good friend of mine. I've known for about over 18 months. We met at a, a coaching uh, some training day. So she is a fellow coach. She is a co-presenter on our coaching podcast, Coaching Conversations. She's also a founder of Eat, Nourish, Flourish, a business that is dedicated to sustainable, healthy eating, well-being, and lifestyle coaching. So, Kerry, we're talking about and discussing about helping organizations thrive at this time. And I'd be interested to know how you've been doing personally in the last few months. Thank you, Julian. Yeah, um, I mean, I have to say, generally, I have been extremely well, um, but I am very good at ensuring that the priorities for me come first. So while obviously I run a business and that's very important mm-hmm. to me and I've had to keep that going and, you know, maybe um, pivot, look at different strategies and everything else, for me, um, I circle out red circle spaces in my diary so that I ensure that I am doing the things that are super important for my health and well-being, first of all. And mm-hmm. that's been brilliant for me. It's been really accessible to have all my yoga teachers online, to be able to go um, and walk can run outdoors and to be able to do all those things so personally thank you for asking I've actually been really well great and and, and those priorities I mean are you saying that health and well-being is is first and foremost in creating that sort of thriving sort of mindset and ability there is nothing that's more important um you know working with organizations at the moment there's so much going on but if you haven't got well staff and your people aren't motivated and healthy in order to be able to come to work and to perform at their best which few of us are at the moment to be honest because there's this fear factor and so much that outside of us Mm. are control then this directly is linked to your bottom line and directly linked to your success as a business so so yeah I mean for me it's the first thing when I'm looking at myself when I'm looking at my children my family and when I'm working with businesses okay so just take us through a sort of a I suppose a a health and well-being week uh, with Carrie in terms of what that what does that look like Uh, and just talk about what why you putting those things in place yeah, well, for me, I work on a I, I work on a triangle, and I have done for many years. So my background is HR, so I understand at the moment, and the HR people that I'm speaking to, you know, I truly understand the stress that they've been under and the immense changes that they have mm. been managing. So, um, and I don't talk from a point where I was high up in my you know my castle watching everybody doing it all right. I came from a point where my body crashed, so I had to make changes, Julian, and um, I had some, some very serious wake up calls. So I now... Are you, are you okay to elaborate on those or is that in terms of what those wake-up calls were? Yeah, I mean, so I used to play very high-end sport um, and competitive netball when I was younger. And 
by the age of 20, I'd had my first knee operation. Um, that didn't go so well. So by the age of 21, I'd have another one. Um, and while I was pushing myself, and I've, I've always pushed myself um, professionally, sports-wise, everything else, um, I hit a, hit a wall. I was wearing supports on all my wrists. I was wearing knee supports because I'd had two ops. I had my first of three cystectomies, nearly bled out on the table for the last two. Um, I was having chronic headaches. My digestive system all but gave up on me. All but gave up on me. And when I say that, sluggish is an understatement. Um, and somebody that I had played international netball with said to me, she became a nutritionist and said, Carrie, let's, at the time, there was a place in the States called the Smokies where you could send off a report and you just cut a bit of your hair and it came back and without knowing your name, it would give you a profile. Wow. This profile, without knowing me, highlighted the fact that somebody with my profile, high levels of aluminium, metals, and you know all sorts of other things going on in my body, would probably have continual headaches, cluster headaches, um, very poor digestive and what problems with the digestive system. Um, I would have painful joints and aches, which I did. I was in terrible pain, but still mm -hmm. pushing myself harder, which we all do at this point in our life where we're working, mm -hmm. we're working. I call it the invincible stage where we all think we're invincible. Mm -hmm. And it went on to say, the end of the report said, if, you, if this person does not make some changes very soon in later life, we would expect to see something like dementia or Alzheimer's. And those changes, are they like nutritional health type changes, I presume? Well, from one day to the next, Julian, I threw out not only what I was eating, but what I cooked with. My cookware was all important as well. I was cooking with aluminium nonstick pans and everything else, which okay. I, I realized, yeah. it's, you know, it's not only what you cook with, it's what goes into you from other areas. I threw yeah. out what was in my shower. I changed my diet. I did a course from the Institute of Nutrition. Um, and as somebody who's always loved exercise and known exercise is important, mm. I began to realize that the fulcrum, actually, of what we're built of, every cell that we are made of is from food so yeah. I, I became excited with the fact that I could actually make these changes and build those cells anew and re regenerate which mm. I did I couldn't put right everything that I had done wrong um, if I'm honest with you and I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue um, a couple of years later stress induced chronic fatigue so I know for me if I don't exercise very carefully these days and I, I exercise every day it's red ring fenced in my diary if I don't take some time out to breathe, literally just breathe, I'm not even going to say meditate. And if I don't plan and eat well, then my body isn't supported the best way it can be. And I know that's the wow. best way for everybody else. Okay. And so you're, is it for you, is, it's food over the exercise? Because obviously there's an element of people, I suppose, balance the, well, if I do, you know, 50 minutes of exercise that I'll burn up X calories or whatever else. Therefore I can eat this. And uh, which is just okay. Cause obviously elements of weight loss and maintaining your weight. And that's really important. Um, but do you think is it's food is it really important in terms of what you eat over the exercise piece? Definitely. Because you, we have this very personal relationship with food. Every, mm. every mouthful you choose to eat becomes your body. So you decide what you're going to be made of. And funnily enough, I've got a very good friend who exercises and runs. And every time he runs, he says, oh, there you are. Now I can have my few beers. And I say to him, you cannot outrun your fork. Our body's not a bank account where you That's can what I do. 
<laughs> it, it's not like I'm so bad news this morning, Julian, on a Monday. <laughs> it's not like that. We, we don't have this deficit and then we can increase and we, we've done a run. So therefore we can eat the bad yeah. things. The bad things are the bad things. And, you yes. know, sugars, the alcohols, which turn to sugars, um, yeah. fats, everything else, they're, they're what they are. And you will become made of that. You might be able to maintain it for a short while. And this is yeah. why I talk to organizations at this point where people are working so hard. Mm. You know, and we think that we're at that point. Usually when you're at your peak of your earning point, that's also when you're at the peak of pushing your body to extreme. Mm. And almost, you know, I, I have to say, I generally work with people who've come to a point where their body has crashed in some way or they mm. need to make changes because they have got to a point. And I say to people, proactively manage that. You know, I'm sure you have health insurance. I'm sure you have house insurance. And we yeah. have one place to live for the rest of our life, and it's our body. No, totally. So it's not just about the calories, which is, I, you know, often as you – you pointed out when I used to do long runs and then come back and eat a, a pizza and feel I deserved it, which is okay, obviously, but it's it's that the micronutrients and uh, the what you eating in terms of on a daily basis is really important. Well, it's so, not calories at all, Julian. I think, you know, just one of my bugbears mm. when people talk about calories, I never count calories, count nutrients. If you're eating the right food, you never, never need to count calories. Um, I like that. Count, count nutrients, not calories. That's one of my mantras, count nutrients, not calories. And the yeah. third part of that triangle, which, again, is all to do with our gut health, which is so important. Our gut is the, the engine of our bodies. It's like the roots of a tree. So yeah. if, if you are going to think about what you're eating and you're going to get some exercise in, our bodies need to move in line with what we're able to do, mm. then you have got the third part is the sleep. And within through all of that is the mind management, where, the com where comes the time that you take out from your day to just stop. Focus on your breathing. Well, our breath is our life force. Without our breath, we're nothing. But sleep is so powerful. And I'd almost put sleep above the exercise. Um, wonderful book by Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep, that I would recommend to absolutely everybody. Okay, good. So we've been through some strange times um, in the last oh, five, six months for everybody. And we know that we know that well-being is really important in organizations. We know that looking after your people is our greatest assets and there's a lot of for me it feels like a lot of talk as opposed to a lot of reality of actually doing things um i'd just like to just get your view on that whole and what organizations are doing are they doing enough um what else they can do i guess in that context of uh, why they should do some sort of well-being or whatever it may be to help their staff uh, especially at this time well, firstly, I completely agree with you um, in terms of what you say. You know, you don't think organizations are doing enough. Um, they're not doing enough because, as I say, I think that there is not this realization yet that, um, you know, your bottom line is absolutely a correlation with how well people are. Um, we've looked at absenteeism for years, but we don't look at presenteeism. And I think presenteeism you know, is also very important, although I'm not an advocate of this time of people having to check in and be visible. And I've known lots of, you know, people who I've spoken to in the HR world mm. under stress because of that enforced visibility at this time when they're trying to deal with homeschooling and everything else. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think that lots of organisations that I speak to say, thank you very much, We'd ha we have a wellbeing policy. So they might have a policy. They might be offering a banana or a piece of fruit. They might be observing wellbeing days. They might be talking about mental health. But there mm -hmm. is not a 360-degree degree approach to wellbeing. Mm -hmm. 
And when I talk about it, you know, it was 360 degrees. I mean that joined up approach of all those aspects which make happy, healthy, motivated and well employees. Because, you know, lots of organisations and, you know, don't forget, as I said, I came from a background and my, my thing was learning and development because I'm also a teacher. Mm. And in a, one business I was with, we we tended to spend a huge budget every year on skills training, the same marketing training, the same sales training, the mm. IT training. And you know what? We weren't hitting the mark. One people was tend to sort of, you know, there's a negativity and there's always a real cynicism around training. Yeah. And, and that's when I become, became really interested in the idea of actually training for the individual. So not training the individual so that they can do that thing in your company. Because if they're not mm-hmm. motivated to do it, all the skills in the world mean absolutely nothing. Mm. And then I became excited by the idea of really you know, putting in place well-being, a culture that really is at the root of it is each individual. You know, mm. that's in line with our culture, but it holds the individual accountable, one for their own um, direction, but also takes into account their direction in line with where the business is going. And we've seen lots of businesses, Julian. You know, we did our series on, uh, you know, interviewing leaders. Mm. Interestingly enough, you know, we spoke to the majority of businesses that were thriving. Since that point, I tend to have spoken to lots of businesses that are not thriving. Mm. And thriving means different things to different people. So when we're talking about what can businesses do at this time, I mean, to be honest, it's horses for courses because they are in extremely different circumstances. So Mm. in terms of thriving, some of the businesses I've spoken to recently, a priority has to be getting their cash flow ready, you know, thinking about cash flow. And I can't say, you know, obviously well-being for me is right up there, but my God, I know they have to think about their cash flow. Let's be realistic. Mm. Um, Businesses that we spoke to that were doing well may have pivoted or they may have um, flexed in some way. Yeah. This is thriving, finding a different way of offering the same set of services mm. or your USP or changing your USP. That's thriving. Mm. Um, another aspect that we saw of thriving was communication and the way that leaders were communicating, not only within the organization and building a culture of care and building a yeah. culture of well-being, you know, right through the core, rather than just offering these piecemeal, you know, uh, we'll do a talk or we'll do this. It's thinking about, okay, how do we really get to the bottom of this and support people? Mm. Um, So, and also communicating then with your shareholders, because let's be honest, it's not just managing inside, it's managing outside. It's internal and external. Um, And we have an an individual and we have a collective responsibility to people, I believe at the moment, and a social um, responsibility. So I think that's thriving. But, you know, it has to be where your business is at the moment. For those Mm. businesses who are able to, I recommend, you know, you comprehensively take apart what you're doing in terms of well-being, training, motivating and communicating with your staff. Because this is about building empowerment. And that's what we do as a coach, Julian. And one of the things that I was incensed about through all of this was watching, well, I think we had over 100 daily five o'clock government um, uh, talks, didn't we, of, uh, on yeah. the pandemic. In not one of those talks did they say to people, we know that you can build your own immunity. You can take control of this. And in a time yeah. when we all felt out of control, which was the biggest mm. thing, and still in some respects out of control, yeah. to say to people, actually, you have a say in how immune you are, which we do, yeah. 
We do. It's not about waiting for a vaccine. It's not about waiting for a golden mm. bullet because, who, you know, we don't know when that's coming or what's going to be in it or who's going to take it. Mm. Um, it's about day to day what we can do for ourselves to make sure we are the fittest. We are mentally resilient. We are feeling that we can get up and motivate mm. ourselves to do our homeschooling, our taking the kids out and our jobs. Uh, um, just on that, what sort of things could you do to really boost your immunity, immunity right now as an individual? Gosh, um, we'd need about another 45 minutes <laughs> to an hour, and I've got a masterclass on this at the moment. Which I, I, know you, I know you have, I know you've got lots, and we, and yeah, we, we could have three hours on here, but we don't want to go over three hours. But yeah, um, um, I what, mean, what the key things, which is obviously my starting point, there's so much that you can do. Um, it's, a, it's a case of getting out of the house and out of the kitchen, what's doing you harm, putting the good stuff in. It's about looking at a um, an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, we know people who are who tend to be obese at this time, um, overweight or obese, or um, you know have inflammation of some sort within their body are going to be more prone to getting diseases and more susceptible. So therefore, as a general point, we want to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. We want to move towards the plant-based scale. We know yeah. there's you know everything I read, everything I do, um, everything I learn. Um, points to evidence in that direction um, we want to get the white empty calories out we want to get the good stuff in we want to eat colored foods we want to eat mm. our, our garlic our um our gingers we want to eat our red you know red foods full of phytochemicals which literally go in and, and nurture the cells we need to exercise every day and we have got to get the right amount of sleep and I know, I mean, there's been all sorts of evidence and reports on, on the fact that if we get less than six hours sleep at this time, then our bodies are more susceptible. Less okay. than six hours sleep, I think, made us something like 50% more susceptible to getting illness. Wow. And it's a link. So for me, at this time, in terms of resilience, there's only one thing that matters. There's only one priority, and it's putting yourself first and keeping control of what you can keep control of. And there's a lot. And within that write down three things each day that went well. Because, you know, we're a coach, we're coaches, Julian, and we are future focused and we're all about what did you do? How did you move forward? So each day to feel in control, write down three things each evening that kept you in control, that were good, that went well. Brilliant. Okay, it's like celebrating success, which is a great thing to do. Absolutely. So just going back to the organisations, and obviously yeah. you mentioned a number of, what I would call and you probably call sort of very tactical things that people do for well-being, you know, the bananas, the fruit, the all good stuff. And, it, and it's a way of promoting it in some ways. If you were to tell HR person right now, or even a leader and they were listening to this uh, show right now, two or three key strategies, because we need to be strategic about this. Uh, and I appreciate some companies are in a state of sorting out aspects of the bottom line, everything else. Um, but looking at the things that are, more strategic, more sustainable. What two or three things would help create a culture of um, of well being that's more sustainable than just having banana every day type thing? I'd say that it has to start with your culture and your communication and what you're about okay. as a business. 
Um, and it's about embedding it throughout. It's not about piecemeal offerings and about those days and about that piece of fruit and about talking about mental well-being. Because mm. as I was saying earlier, this isn't a joined up approach. It's about, you know, the first thing that I would I do with businesses is go out and start the communication with the employees which usually that hasn't been done. It's a case of, right, we're doing this, we're going to do this, we're going to approach it in this way. And when I've worked with HR people through this time, through every single stage, I've said to them, this is the way we're going to do it. You're going to go back to them. You're going to put all these things in front of them. We're going to ask what people are struggling with. So it's an almost like an audit, the same way that when I worked in learning and development, we would do a, a skills so audit. Creating some sort of engagement with the people. Uh, absolutely. And letting them build it. You know, in terms of positivity, the feedback that you get and the win that you get as a business, as a leadership team, as an HR, from putting it out to, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we've got all these things for you. We're going to put this, you know, and we're going to make this a comprehensive policy, which is to support you in the next few months. And we understand what you're going through. And we're not only going to look at mental health, because everybody look, looks at that, to be fair. And I have to say, most organisations I speak to look at mental health without looking at um, food and physical health, which is incredible to me because it starts in the gut. You know, most of our serotonin and our happy chemicals are built in our gut. Yeah. You can't comprehensively have a mental health day without looking at that. So it's about putting it out there to employees saying we can do all these things. We understand there's different issues with different people. We can offer some of you personal coaching. We can offer some of you group coaching. We can offer some of you um, masterclasses and we can offer you well-being. We can mm. put the days in place where we actually specifically look at some of the issues. We yeah. can put this on an intranet. It's a comprehensive approach. It's not a one-size meets all. You know, or, It's been or, guided by the people, isn't it, in terms of their needs? Be guided by the people because you'll get that. You'll get that. that back tenfold julian yeah. you know i know that just from some of the feedback forms that i've had it'd be like please can we have more of this you know please can we yeah. can we get more people in like this and um great great knowledge that usually they'll put something or they'll try to do something internally which doesn't yeah. hit the mark and i'd say to all don't bother yeah. either do it properly or don't do it at all it's almost it's getting, it's getting people who who are all step up and almost become more ambassadorial in the in the organisation in teams, who then start promoting it and it starts becoming a a culture, doesn't it? And that's the key thing is making it a culture of well being, a culture of that will go into resilience and thriving, and it starts to go on that sort of track. Definitely. And then you'll become known as an organization that when, you know, then it becomes part of your uh, recruitment process. You become an employer of choice because, you know, and there are businesses out there that do it really, really well. And you can just do a Google on them and see what they're doing. Mm. And it's vastly different from most businesses at the moment that are just firefighting and trying to put the odd thing in, which is hit and miss. Yeah. So go back to basics and, and look at comprehensively embedding this within a strategy of a culture that you want to build on your business. And, you know, this is the time to do that because we are having to pivot and change and to decide what the business is going to be going forward. So yeah. definitely think this is the time. How you know, And then build it into your communication strategy. And, and yeah. you know, people think that what I do is just well-being. Well, actually, it's not. It's all about communication as well. It's about yeah. being positive and it's about nurturing and getting that feeling of nurturing back. And, mm. you know, I mainly deal with HR people, but they are under pressure themselves and they're a starting point. You know, nurture them and nurture sure. the whole of the business. And do you think, I mean, it, it always seems to fall at the feet of HR, which I sort of get because they're all about people and human resources. Um, 
but do you feel it, it it should be something that's more strategic more board level and almost the whole well-being should be part of their one of their goal or their goals each year is to be you know make create you know a well-being culture or create uh, make sure that we're looking after our people whatever however they term it do you find organizations that are doing that more as he actually putting it down on in writing it's as a goal so therefore it'd be it'd be monitored it'd be kpi'd it'd be looked to have somebody alone it and it'll start to become you get what you focus on effectively if you don't focus on it you won't get it yeah, oh, absolutely, Julian. I mean, I have to say that I think the role of HR is changing. There's lots of evidence to show that the role of HR is changing. The profile has changed during mm. this time. And if, you know, for me, I would say that if HR hasn't got a seat at your board table and isn't on that driving force, a part of changing culture, then why not? That's part, that's that's initially what I would say in answer to mm. what you there but certainly it has to be part of something that people are looking at in the same way as you know people are looking at diversity and inclusion you should have well-being up there as well and so it's not when people join an organization we need to ask how well they are what support do they need Mm. and um, it should be an ongoing thing part of our overall appraisal system it's just how do we support you what do you need next what can i give you what do we need you as a business where are you going personally and where does that align with us and how do we do that but it's a comprehensive strategy it's not you know it's not piecemeal it's a waste of money i'd almost say there's no point doing it you know people are no. people are cynical about training and people are cynical about piecemeal offerings so yeah. either do it use the money and see the difference this makes to your bottom line because you yeah. can give people as i said all the skills in the world you can give them all the training but if they're attitudinally not aligned and oftenly often they're not attitudinally mm. aligned because they don't feel the business cares about them yeah you're losing a trick as managers and as a as a board you're losing totally. a trick well, because the impacts of what you're saying, if you make it strategic and it becomes part of the culture and not only are you helping them health-wise, nutrition-wise, they feel valued, they feel looked after, they cared for, and suddenly you get a whole engagement because you've, you've taken them on the journey. So you're, the, the paybacks are significant and some things uh, you just can't aim or also measure, but it's all about the people. It goes back to the people bits. And you're using one aspect, but actually by doing that, you're looking at the whole person. And I think organizations, particularly this time, need to more and more think about their people, whether that's whether they're working from home, how they work that, working in the office, making things COVID safe, everything else. It's really important. And it's I think it should be really top of the agenda. And I think it is. It's just I think I don't think people are taking the actionable things. They're doing almost the tick box. Oh, we have the fruit when you come in and we have well-being days and we have so-and-so come in occasionally talk about you know, looking after your health and we have a mental health nurse and which are all good things but if it's done as you say in a piecemeal way it's just lost and it feels a bit like it's just a tick box and people people feel that and it's it's for me it's almost making part of the purpose isn't it and if it's a part of the purpose it becomes part of who you are as an organization part of your dna and people feel that then uh, in the sense of, oh, this is this is a reality thing. They're really, they're really serious about this. Um, yeah, I think you're right. You know, we can't hide the fact that we're in the middle of a, a global health pandemic. And if this isn't the time to embed a, a well-being and health strategy within mm. your business, 
And, you know, for me, again, it's all about empowerment. Everything that we do with coaches is about empowering. It's about Mm. empowering your staff. And there are ways to measure that. I mean, you know, you can see year on year who's leaving. You can see week by week the absence rates. You can see teams that are thriving and doing well and why they're Mm. thriving doing well so there are kpis by which we can measure this some are more um you know difficult to to measure but certainly you know we know at this time that people need to have some control they need to focus on what's important and there are only a few priorities and as i say health is if health isn't the priority at this point then i don't know when in the history of ever, um, health would have been a priority. Um, and making people feel empowered and giving them, edu- you know, it's about educating. And I don't say that, you know, I'm a teacher, so education for me is empowerment, but it, mm. it is about educating because lots of the talks that I've done through this time, people have said, wow, you know, I didn't think I was going to learn much. And you don't know what you don't know. And that goes for me as well. You know, when I log, log on, and, and you know, we, we, you, we love our learning, don't we? We love yeah, our constant totally. learning. It's about taking employees on a, on a journey where yeah. you've joined the business or you're with the business and we're going here and we're going there and we're constantly yeah. moving and we're constantly getting to where we need to be next week, the week after, the week after. Mm. And if you're not taking employees on that journey with you, then any business mm. um, strategy, 10-year strategy, you know, it isn't going to work as well as it could. No. Um, well, time is running out in a sense, well, in some in some spaces. Um, and I do thank you for your valuable insights. But I do know you're about to launch a book, and I'd just like you to sort of um talk about that, plug it, because it's I think it's really important what you're what you've done. And I've obviously seen that develop over the last few months, certainly seeing all the food being made and taking photographs off and not being able to come and eat it which is mm-hmm. a bit of a shame really um so just tell us a bit more about the book and why you decided to write a book and what that book's about yeah i decided to write a book because i well to be honest i love writing and while i was writing it i realized again that i i love writing and it for me you know getting well again was about my relationship with food. And I realized that food for me had been incidental to me playing all the sport, pushing myself professionally and everything else. And actually it needed to take center stage. So I went back and examined my relationship with food. And then as a coach, you know, that's what I do with people. I, I, I put, the, put the context there about, you know, where have you been with food and where did this idea mm-hmm. come from? And we build up all of these um, practices and habits around everything, you know. Mm-hmm habits are all built up around our experience so for me that's really very important and I didn't just want to do a recipe book either while I do my passion is with with food and delicious food and uh, I didn't just want to do a recipe book so it's a coaching book actually so it takes people through the psychological reasons why we don't make changes and then it guides people through the fundamental um, uh, coaching strategy um, where we grow and understand where we are and then um, help, hopefully people will build a goal in each week but it's a 12-step program we know that in order to make sustainable change which we want people to make sustainable changes um, that it takes about 12 weeks so it's a 12-week program with right. recipes and with delicious ways to nourish up along the way so I hope by the end of reading it people won't just dip in and out for a recipe but they will have gone through a process they'll examine their relationship with food and they will have come out the other side with 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 something that is going to help them with longevity quality of life 
you know, give them a stronger, healthier body with which yeah. to live the rest of their lives. Brilliant. And what's it called and when's it going to be available? Um, so my business is Eat, Nourish, Flourish, and the book is going to be Eat, Nourish, Flourish, 12 Steps to Healthier Family Eating. But actually, I say family, it's, you know, it's healthier eating, really. Yeah. Um, but there is a special chapter on there in teens, in actual fact, which can be a real um, a difficult time in, in a family's life yeah. of managing for managing teenagers. And we hope it's going to be out in October. Um, and I do have a number of courses that I'm offering to support the book at that time and some live cook-ins with me as well. So that's going to be fun. And I'm also offering my masterclasses as well at the moment. Brilliant. So be in time for the Christmas present season. Absolutely. Yes. I think we've got our name down on one of those books when it comes yeah. out. <laughs> I'm even going to sign it for you, Julian. Oh, brilliant. That's even better. It'd be worth <laughs> double the amount I'll be paying for it. That'd be excellent. <laughs> Um, so Kerry so how how can people get in touch with you it'd be good to let people listeners know that yeah so many ways um, I've also got a show on Wellbeing Radio so you can get in touch with me there but pri primarily email me Kerry at eatnourishflourish.com um, I'm on Instagram under eatnourishflourish so you can contact me there uh, Kerry at wellbeingradio.co.uk um, and you will find me on Facebook under Eat Nourish Flourish as well. And obviously on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm hugely um, active on LinkedIn. So please do find me there. Well, thank you for coming today. I'm sure people will be in touch with you. Uh, you've got loads of knowledge. And we could have talked, I know, for a long time uh, about your expertise in the whole area of food, coaching and nutrition. And uh, so, yeah, I really do appreciate your time today. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you, Julian. It's been a real pleasure.